0: Well, thanks for having me here. As Jose mentioned, my wife and I graduated from Sterling College. We played basketball four years here at Sterling College. We met here at Sterling College. We had our first date here at Sterling College at the spring formal. She doesn't think it was a date, but it was a date for me. Um, So Sterling College is near and dear to our family. It's near and dear to our heart because it impacted and changed both of, our li- both of our lives in so many different ways. So it is a privilege and an honor to be able to speak here. I have sat in the seats that you are sitting in. I have experienced some of the things that you are experienced with campus living. I have walk through some of the things that you have walked through here at Sterling College. And I just want to say before I get into the message, if there is ever anything you want to talk about, about your experience here at Sterling College or just life in general, I just live two blocks down the road and my wife and I would love to just listen and help walk with you through whatever it is that you're going through. So uh, uh, again, thank you for the privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. Uh, The message that I'm going to talk to you about today, the title Is don't live in the not yet. Don't live in the not yet. And here's what I mean when I say don't live in the not yet. Have you ever been in a relationship that you just would wish would be over, but the answer always comes back to you as not yet? Have you ever wanted to get into a relationship with someone, but the answer was not yet? If you ever just wanted the semester to just be over, I mean, just be over, I mean, we're in February, and I remember sitting here thinking, good gracious, May cannot come any faster. For you seniors, you're probably, hopefully, you're not at this spot, but you might be at the spot that... Gosh, I'm just ready to graduate, but the answer is not yet. You got to finish these projects. You got to finish these shows. You got to deal with the professors that always want you to write papers over things. And why can't they just be a one page paper? Why do they always have to be 18 pages long? See, he knows what I'm talking about right there. Our life is full of not yet experiences and circumstances. I want my kids. To start doing the dishes without me asking them, but their answer is still not yet. We have had a dog for so many years, and we have tried all these things to get her to not sleep on the couch, but the answer is continually not yet. I'm going to continue to sleep on this couch whether you like it or not, and by the way, here's some dog hair just so you know that I was sleeping in this spot. Our life is full of not-yet experiences, and today we're going to look at a passage in Ecclesiastes. By far, Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books of the Bible. The reason I love Ecclesiastes, it was written by Solomon, considered to be one of the most most wisest man that ever walked on this earth. And the, what I like about this book is Solomon, in this book, in a sense, he experiences everything life, life has to offer. He looks at work and he determines, okay, this is what work is like. He experienced women and he's like, okay, this is what it's like to have lots of women and a few women. He experienced relationships. This is what relationships are like. And I've experienced all these things. And the end of all this, of all of these sessions, He says, really, all of these things are just meaningless unless God is at the center of all those things. So if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to uh, open up your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray for me, and then we're going to look at what God's Word has for us this morning. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me, please? Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for... This time, thank you for this place that we can be here and we can get into your word. God, I pray this morning for each one in the sound of my voice, that their hearts would be open to hear what it is that you have for them, not what you have for their neighbor or their mom or their grandmother, but what you have for them this morning. I pray that their minds would be open and ready to receive. I pray that their hearts would be softened to hear your word. And God, I pray this morning that your word would not come back void, that lives would be changed, not because of anything that I have to say, but of all the things that you have to say. God, we thank you for your love, we thank you for your mercy, and we thank you for your Son, Jesus, and we ask for all these things in your holy and precious name, and all those that would agree with this prayer would say amen. All right, so Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 13, So it says, for everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And then verse 9, it says, what gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So the first thing I want us to see in this passage of Scripture, as you look at verses 1 through 8, is your days have purpose. Your days have purpose. Now, when you read these uh, verses 1 through 8, there's two different ways that you can approach these verses. You can approach it in in such a way that life is just mundane. It's just this vicious cycle of... Over and over again, this happens and then this happens and then this happens and this happens. Kind of like the sun comes up and then the sun goes down. It's just a repeated thing and it just is what it is. Or you can look at it a way that's encouragement in the fact that God is in control of the things that happen. And knowing that God doesn't create anything without purpose, God doesn't create anything without meaning, God doesn't create anything without value in it. That the day, your days have purpose. I do have a question about mosquitoes and what their purpose is, but one of these days I'll ask uh, God about mosquitoes and what their real value is. But let me explain to you a little bit more what I mean by your days have purpose. My wife and I come from divorced families. So her mom and dad, her birth mom and dad got a divorce, and then her dad got remarried, and uh, they had some siblings. And then on my side of the family, uh, my mom and dad got a divorce, and then my dad got remarried, and I have a sister with that. And then his parents, my dad's parents got a divorce, and his dad's dad's parents got a divorce. And so statistically speaking, And based on the history of our family, my wife will be uh, in July 5th, I got it, July 5th, we'll be married almost 20 years. So historically, based on our history of our families, and statistically speaking, based on today's culture, we should already be divorced. Our marriage should already be over. But when my wife and I were going through some premarital counseling, and we were talking about what our marriage wanted to be and how we wanted it to come together, we wanted our marriage to have purpose. We wanted our media, our marriage to have value, and we wanted it to be meaningful in some way, shape, or form. We want our kids at the end of one of our lives or both of our lives to look back at our marriage and be like, "That's what a marriage looks like. That's what a marriage should be like." Marriages still stay together. Marriages can work out. You. Can Can work hard at those things. It doesn't matter what the history of your marriage is like. It doesn't matter what the culture around you tells you your marriage can or can't be. Your marriage can stay together. We made that decision that no matter what, divorce was never going to be an option. The days of our marriage have purpose. Because we choose every single day that our marriage is going to have purpose. And if you look at back at this passage of Scripture, I'm not going to go through all of these because I don't have time. But go to verse 2. It says there's a time to be born and a time to die. What this passage of Scripture is saying, on the day of your birth, your life had purpose and meaning and value. The day that you were born, that is when that value and that purpose, and actually it started even before you were even born. The life that you are living right now here on Sterling College. Campus that has meaning and value and purpose when you die. Spoiler note, alert every single one of you are going to die in some way, shape, or form. That has meaning and that has value. That has purpose. The days of your life have purpose. It says in the passage of Scripture, there's a time to put a plant in the ground and there's a time for you to take that plant out of the ground. Because there's purpose of when you put that plant in the ground and you let it go and you take it out at the right time, that's when we get to eat. That's when we get to see the value and the purpose behind that. There's another section in here It says there's a time to tear down. What that means is when th- things get torn down in our life, you may think that it's over and it's done with and it's just not going to be what you want it to be, but when they're built back up again. That's when we see the glory of God and we see the power of God. This last one I'm going to talk about here it says there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Now, when you first read that, you would think, oh, there's a time to give someone a hug and there's time to give someone to not give someone one hug. Just so you know, I'm not a hugger, so I'm not going to take any hugs afterwards. But it's not just talking about hugs. It's talking about intimacy. It's talking about there is a time for you to be intimate with someone and there's a time for you to refrain from being intimate with someone. We have three kids. We like to embarrass our kids and say, your, wa- your mom and I have only been intimate three times, just so you know. Totally embarrasses them, and, and the best place to do it is in the middle of a restaurant when other people are listening to them. Anyways, side note, you don't care about those things, but our days have purpose. Our days have value. Uh, it says, for everything there is a season, a time for every matter. There is a matter of time in our life that every moment matters we like to think of time as a clock like tick 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 here goes another day tick 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 there's another day time is not a click of a top of a clock time is an occasion it's a happenstance it's a circumstance in your life and every single one of those do you want me to use the other one Am I there? Whoa, that one's hot. All right. We like to think of life as a clock that's just ticking, but it's happenings, it's circumstances, it's situations in our life. The day that you are living right now has purpose because God has put purpose in the middle of that. Now, you're probably asking, well, why does things have to be so hard? But we need to understand not everything is hard, but not everything is easy. And I can say from my own experiences, the times that I've learned the most is when I've had to walk through the things that were the hardest. Because in those hard times, I'm looking and I'm seeking after God and what it is that he has for me. But when the times are easy, I'm like, I got this. I can handle this. I don't need anything. But everything we go through, all of our days have purpose. Don't live in the not yet because your days have purpose. The second thing I want us to see as you we look, move on to verse 9 is the purpose is beautiful. Now, it's interesting as you look at this passage of Scripture, Solomon has kind of rattled off this list of things. And then in verse 9, he asks this weird question in uh, verse 9, almost like he understands the question or he knows the answer to that question. And then in verse 10, he kind of summarizes and he's saying that God has given us things to do. God has putting that put in our hearts that we are to move forward and we are to do things in the midst of that. But in the end of that first sentence in verse 11, it says, everything is beautiful, that in its time, it is beautiful. Now, don't miss what the passage of Scripture says. It says, in its time. It doesn't happen in my wife's time. It doesn't happen in my time. It doesn't happen in your time. And that in its time, all the things that we walk through, all the things that we are going through, the situation, the circumstance, the people that you're dealing with in your life right now that you would like to go away, that in its time, It's going to be beautiful. You might not see it. You might not understand it. You might not recognize it in this moment, in this time. But in its time, it will be beautiful. You see, God's purpose is not arbitrary. It's appropriate. God's purpose is not confining and restricting. It's releasing. It's not unsettling. It's reassuring. God's purpose is reassuring. In verse 10, he basically is saying, we get busy with all kinds of stuff. We're busy with class. We're busy with our sports. We're busy watching a movie while we're doing our homework. But he's saying, in its time, because we're so busy, we miss the beauty in the purpose that God has for us. And so you might be asking yourself, well, how do you know that it's beautiful? Well, I want to answer it two different ways for you. One, it says it in the text right here, and I believe God's word to be true. Every single bit of it, from the beginning to the end, that it's true. So one, the text says that it's beautiful, beautiful, but the second part is, I have experience with the beautiful. Now, I'm going to give you the really short version of this story so that you understand my experience with this. When I was a junior here at Sterling College, I lived in Kilbourne, right on the end dorm, on the very end of the dorm. And I was dating this young lady who had graduated from Sterling College, but she chose to come back and take some other classes so she could get her education, classes that she needed to. So we were dating. And in the midst of this dating relationship, we talked about how many kids would you like? I'd like three. I'd like 13. I'd like to live with my parents. I would like, I would not like to live with my parents. Well, maybe we can just live close to your parents. Well, I don't know. You haven't really spent much time with my parents. So we had lots of conversations about what marriage would look like, what engagement would look like. And one weekend, she decides to go home, which was not out of the ordinary for her to go home, and she comes back one Sunday evening. This is before cell phones, just so you know how old I actually am. So she throws some rocks at my window on Kilbourne and asks me to come outside because, you know, there's still visitation rules that happen on Sunday evenings. Is there still visitation? Is that still a thing? Okay. Yep, it is. Um, So anyway, she asked me to come outside. Again, short version of a long story. She just says, I want you to know that I've decided I'm going to go to the Army. I'm like, what? That is not anywhere in anything that we had talked about in our plans for the future. And she's like, yep, I decided I'm going to join the Army. I'm like, okay. Well, have you signed any paperwork? Have you talked to anyone? And she's like, yeah, I actually signed the paperwork on Saturday, and I leave in two weeks to go to basic training. I'm like, two weeks? Short version, long story. She leaves. uh, Sorry, this is important as well. So I say, so are you going to stay around here? She's like, no, I'm actually leaving right now. I've already packed all my stuff. My family's here, and I'm going back home, and I'm going to stay home uh, until basic training. And so we call each other on the phone, and we coordinate, and we kind of talk back and forth. Short version of the long story is I tell her, I just don't think it's going to work, and I just don't think that we can make it happen. Maybe let's touch base when you get out of basic training, and we can figure things out. Never have talked to her ever again. Now, you're thinking to yourself, well, how in the world is that a beautiful story, Michael? Let me tell you the beauty that is in the midst of that story. Do you see that lady right there? If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't get to hang out with her the rest of my life. She does the laundry because I don't like to do the laundry. She cooks even though she doesn't like to cook. She loves me in the circumstances, in the situations. When I have a moaning and groaning about how bad things are, she listens to me and she says, what do you want me to do? And I say, nothing. Like, Great, that's all I needed you to do. Just listen to me. I have three amazing children. Pastor Andy, he told us in a sermon a few weeks ago that he has the best kids. Sorry, Pastor Andy. My kids are better than your kids. I have a son. He's my oldest son. He's about as big as I am. My biceps are bigger than his. Don't tell him that. He's got crazy hair, but he is the biggest, softest teddy bear, would give you a hug, would care for you, would even cry with you. Don't tell him I said that. And then I have a middle daughter. Her name is Lily. She is kind. She's almost... Just like her mom. I mean, it's crazy how much they're like. She's kind. She's caring. She cares about how you feel. She's a rule follower, to the T. I have a younger daughter. Her name is Allie. She's in the seventh grade. She is very artsy. She can create crazy things just by looking at a picture. She cares for people. She loves people. She share. She carries her emotions on her shoulder, and she is just wonderful. The beauty in that. Is had I been married to the other one, I wouldn't have the beauty that I have right now. What you're going through, what you're experiencing, there is beauty in that. Don't live in the not yet, because your days have purpose. Don't live in the not yet because the purpose is beautiful. And the last thing I wanna share with you today or this morning is God defines your purpose. And let me tell you that your purpose is so much bigger than what you think it actually is. Now, if you look at these next sections of scripture, if you look at 11b through 13, most commentaries that you will read will say that it's really hard to interpret and really hard to understand and translate specifically what Solomon is trying to get across to us here. But here's what I think. I think Solomon is trying to tell us that deep down inside, that in every single one of us, God has put eternity or our life after here after our life here on this earth in our heart in verse 12 he wants us to find joy in things he wants us to find joy in our experiences he wants us to experience all the things that this world has to offer with us and but we will never find completion we will never find satisfaction until we know god's purpose for our life and your want to know you want to know what God's purpose is for your life you ever wonder what God's purpose for your life is I'm going to tell you today it's going to change your life forever God's purpose for your life is that you would know who he is you would recognize him as your Lord and your Savior so that you can spend eternity with him forever ever and ever and ever and you can add another ever on the end of that as well Everything that you go through, everything that you deal with, all the hurt, all the laughter, all the joy, all the pain, is just a moment in time in this instant. But God wants you to know him so you can spend eternity with him. When I was... Three years old, my parents, I told you uh, that I come from a divorced family. When I was three years old, my parents uh, got a divorce. And from three years of age up until I was about a sophomore in high school, I wanted my dad. My mom got remarried, wasn't a very nice guy. She got remarried again, and he was a wonderful man who taught my brother and I what it meant to be a man in this world and how to work hard. But I still wanted my dad. When I was a sophomore in high school at youth group, uh, a speaker came in, and the short version of what he said is, hell is a really bad place, heaven is a really good place, and so if you want to go to heaven, you need to pray this prayer, and your life will be changed forever. And in that moment and in that instant, God spoke to me, and he said, you don't have an earthly father, but I'm going to be your father. I'm going to be the father that you didn't even know you ever wanted, that you ever needed, or any of those things. And since that time, now that I have kids, God is still telling me, hey, here's how you can be a different dad here on this earth. Here's how you can change the culture. Here's how you can change how people view what a father looks like. Every culture, every religion, every denomination, every cult has a belief about what happens into your life after you die. Everywhere, you can search it. Even if you don't believe that there is a God or any God whatsoever, I guarantee you that inside of your heart and inside of your brain, you have thought or you will think, what happens to me after I die? Guarantee you, this passage of scripture Confirms that, that God has put eternity on our heart. But the promise that comes when we surrender our will, surrender what we think we need uh, in our life, and we surrender to God, then our promise from God is that we get to spend eternity with him. The pain, the hurt, the cancer, the suffering, the divorce, the breakups, all of those things will be no more because of our belief in him, because he has put that inside of us for all of us to seek after those things. Everything we experience is just a moment in time, but God's purpose is what defines us. You might think what it is that you are going through in this moment and in this instance is defining the rest of your life, and you have no idea what it's really going to mean in the end. And that's partially true. But God's purpose for your life is for you to know Him. Don't live in the not yet. Your days have purpose, the purpose is beautiful. And God defines your purpose. So I have one last thing that honestly, as I've practiced this message several times and prayed over this message. Jose, do you think they can handle hard truth? Are you sure they can handle hard truth? Can you handle hard truth? Like honest, 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 hard truth. Some of you can, so the others you're just going to have to listen in. Here's the hard truth you will search your entire life for all kinds of things. You'll look to alcohol, you'll try to find your purpose and your value in a someone, you'll look to drugs, you'll look to your professors. Some of you will search after a degree, after another degree, and another degree, be, degree because you're going to try to find your value and your purpose in that. Some of you who are playing sports and athletics, that is your world right now. Like everything revolves around those things. But you need to know all of those things will leave you short. They will leave you empty. They will leave you searching after the next thing if you don't have Jesus in your life if you do not accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. I promise you, look at me in my eye, I promise you, you will search after all of those things and come up short every single time, every single time. And if you don't hear anything else that I say the rest of this time that we have here together, today is the best day in your days of purpose and meaning and value, in your days of recognizing what God has for you, that today's the best day for you to just surrender whatever it is you're holding on to and just let Jesus do what he's gonna do. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your forgiveness, God, thank you for being the one that defines us, for being the one that gives us purpose. Thank you for being the one that is at the center of our life, that holds everything together. God, help us to not dwell. Help us to not live in the not yet. God, help us to live underneath you. God, I pray if there's anyone in this place that has not accepted you as their Lord and their Savior, that they have not laid down their life for you, that today they would be the day that they would do that. And they would go and talk to their professor, they would talk to one of their teachers, they would talk to one of the faculty and the staff, and they would just ask, what does this mean? I made this decision, but I don't know what to do. God, I pray that you would lay that on their heart, and God, I pray they wouldn't sleep well until they do that. God, thank you for your love and your mercy And we ask for all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you.